welcome to the Women in Safety podcast, the show where empowerment meets excellence in the health and safety profession. I'm your host, Alana Ball. Join me and our vibrant community of members as we dive into candid conversations, behind the scenes insights into what it means to be a health and safety professional. Whether you're conquering your day or catching up on the latest industry event, this podcast fuels your journey. Are you ready to elevate your career? Let's get started. I'm Alana Ball and you're tuning in to the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of the Women in Safety podcast. If you joined us at the 2023 Women in Safety Awards, you would have been empowered, inspired and transformed on the journey of Dr. Sherilyn Mills. And Dr. Sherilyn Mills from HSC Global joins us today for more of a what the hell do you do in health and safety conversation, I guess we'll call it. (laughs) Welcome, Sherilyn. Thanks, Alana. I'm so excited to be here. I was really looking forward to catching up with you again and uh, finishing our conversation. Yeah, and look, we had to say let's press record because Cheryl and I could definitely have a conversation underwater and so we will try and keep it short and sharp and and on track, but you just never know where we're going to get to. Now, the reason I wanted to have a conversation with you today, Cheryl, was really reflecting on your journey in health and safety and and as I've said many times before on the podcast there's so many journeys when it comes to health and safety so at the moment you are the occupational health well-being and injury management specialist for HSC Global on top of a few other little bits and pieces on the side but I also want to go all the way back to you studying your PhD in psychosocial risk so shall we go how did you get into this wonderful world of health and safety? Uh, how did I get into it? Um, I guess, funny, like most people, I got into it. I finished a degree. I was so pumped that I'd finally finished this degree and I was so eager to get out there and use this degree. And then I got told that I needed experience. It's like, well, how do you get experience if you can't get a job? So um, I then decided that I probably really needed to look at Um, finding some experience and I at the time I was also helping people get back into the workforce so I put my money where my mouth was and did what I told everybody else to do and I looked for the dream job that inspired me Mm. when I when I did that it sort of gave me some prerequisites and some things that were desirable and I kind of thought oh yeah I can do that that's this is a job that I like Uh, it recommended that maybe I should get some insurance industry experience And maybe I should also look at doing some qualifications in health and safety. So I thought, okay, tick, tick, tick. That's a a list. Got it. (laughs) Got the job in insurance. And uh, luckily when I got into the insurer, they kind of said that they would help us study and continue our study. So I started um, at the time a postgraduate in occupational health and safety. And, um, I yeah, I also then got to do a a hybrid kind of injury management come health and safety consultancy role for the insurer. So I got the best of both worlds. Yeah, right. In terms of the PhD, I actually had to do a unit of study, which was a project. Mm. And this project, it was like, you know, create something where you'd like to do some research. Yeah. And I remember. I think I might have had one of the same subjects and hated it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, no, I loved it because yeah. I just kind of went to my poetic license, you know, yeah. as a student and most people probably listening, you know, you have to. Had you been working then, though, like before you studied health and safety, you'd already been working in the field? Um, I kind of worked in um, vocational rehab insurance, kind yeah. of. Yeah, because I feel like that was some of my problem. I hadn't worked in health and safety, so by the time it kind of, I'd been working in HR, so by the time it kind of came to this research project, it was like I don't, I haven't had that workplace experience to kind of draw on that creative license. So, yeah, just interesting. Yeah, no, it's definitely chicken and the egg. Uh, mm. But, yeah, I had some experience and I always had this this desire to one, understand why people set up these amazing systems in terms of safety, but yet they really still had problems and they weren't successful. And I, I often, I, you know, people would come and say to me, you know, I've done everything you've said, I've done this and I've done that and I've done the audits and we've got our compliance, we've got our verification, there's something missing here. And I also was doing a course on looking at uh, injury rates and stuff like that. And, and I really wanted to know why if people were really embracing safety and they were doing such a really good job about implementing all of these safety systems, why were we still having these injuries? Mm. And why were they still, you know, increasing? And when I looked at a lot of the injuries that I was dealing with, a lot of what happened and why people were still off work or still saying that they were injured there was no correlation between the initial incident and also um, why they're off work. And so it then really propelled me to look at why this, why was this the case? And so, you know, how, having helped people with rehab and return to work and all of those sorts of things, I had this feeling that a lot of what people presented with and what actually was the driver of their, you know, injury potentially and or their ongoing incapacity was really not as a result of the safety side of it, but was really more a result of a product of a number of things, mm. which really then started me on this journey of psychosocial. And that's why when I got this project, I thought that's, that's this is what I really want to answer. Mm. So this poetic license, this opportunity to do this project that uh, was creative and I could put my own thoughts process into it I I did it and at the end of it the supervisor came to me and said I really like this you need to do this research and I kind of thought oh, I should get a good mark for this yeah yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah. Think I did um so but, let's just pause let's put some yeah. context to this this would have been is this when you were doing um the masters or your bachelor's this was the master. This was the postgraduate that turned into a master's. Okay, yeah. so this is around the year two thousand. Let's call it roughly year two thousand. So what? Let's call it twenty four years ago. When, I, for some of you, this might be the first time you're in health and safety, and you're twenty four. So you, you were born then. Well done. <laughs> where, where Cheryl and I. Cheryl and I are getting older. older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting older. Um, older. Fine wine fine wine aging beautifully but um I think I think we have to put that into context because I think from that psychological perspective it was just unheard of 20 years ago when we thought about health and safety we thought about the physical harm of hurting people um I think there was a few jobs around that certainly you know you would have teachers and police and ambulance that they might debrief after events those kind of things but from a psychological harm perspective the year 2000 was not the year to be um, testing these notions, one would think. 
Well, for me, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I used to get, and I, I, I'm about to enter into the dirty word, like sort of part or the dirty part of safety, but I always had a bugbear with statistics. Yeah. And it would really, really annoy me when people were so caught up on a lost time injury, but yet they they couldn't see the consequence of like, you know, the fact that this person, you know, really needed just to take the day off. And, you know, that also in itself kind of caused me to kind of really look at injuries and kind of justify why a person needed, you know, a couple of days off. And a lot of, um, there's a lot of emotion around incidences and injuries Mm -hmm. and especially where statistics are involved and I often found that a lot of people got caught up in this this whole saga of this statistic and what was going on and that really impacted on their psychological well-being a post an incident they could have taken their life you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and here people are trying to cover up the fact that they've had to have a couple days off or um or they're trying to downplay the severity of it and you know to me in itself as well that also showed this whole psychological side of it as well and how post incident that could really impact somebody's well-being as well Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so obviously you did the research project. That turned out well. And then you went down this path to study it. What did that look like? Um, were you working at the time? Were you kind of juggling all the things? Um, what did that look like to actually take that on? That's a great question. Um, I was always in your predicament because imagine 20 years ago I kind of put in this proposal uh, you know, got got uh, accepted to one of the local universities to do it. That probably took about two or three years to sort of get it going, get ethics approval, finally got the, yep, you can do this. And it was like, oh, dear, I'm pregnant. <laughs> My life is about to change. Well, wait, can we just for the listeners, Sherilyn did say I'm in your predicament. For the record, not pregnant. If, anyone, <laughs> if anyone's trying to connect those two things together, the shop is shut. There's no more babies. Please continue. Just before anyone made that connection. What I was trying to say is I was trying to work. I was trying to study yeah. and I was trying to be a mum for the first time Yeah, and yeah. trying to keep this world going. I, I was working in, um, you know, a 24-7 kind of environment. Mm. Um, I, I did sort of pride myself on being able to run a, ho- a business around my children and, and, you know, what they needed. But... Um, wasn't easy <laughs> and uh, certainly studying till two or three o'clock in the morning and uh, and really wanting to sort of get some of those answers to those questions that really made me sit down and write that that mm. research project was really what got me through I really wanted to find out what what those issues were and what those solutions were and you know when people ask me those questions about why why am I setting up these systems and I still have these problems? Have some answers and really get them to see things from really a whole whole perspective. Mm. When, I, when I talk about health and safety, I often say to a lot of businesses, it's really the culmination of how you run your business. It's really the product of the sum of the product mm-hmm. of, of your business. You know, it's, it's a little bit about HR. It's a little, a little bit about leadership. It's a little bit about um industrial relations it's a little bit about um finance and if you don't Mm. sort of really look at those 
all and and harmonize those and manage those in a real succinct manner then you end up with with you know disharmony and product problems and often that results in people who are you know unhappy and this is then leading again to this psychological impact do you know what i mean and this psychosocial harm yeah and so how has that played out i guess you know, we we can share the study and things um, in our show notes, but how did that then transpire? So you finished that. What does the work life look like? Obviously, family. What impact did that study do for the rest of your career? I guess. Well, I guess I'm. I, I find that I'm really um, quite fortunate in the fact that I kind of um, worked in the field had the the theory side of it and the academic side of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, partway through that, I also got um, encouraged to, to lecture. So yep. I was doing some lecturing. Um, I decided that lecturing probably wasn't really what I wanted to do um, full time because I really enjoyed working in the field mm-hmm. and I really still wanted to put some of these theories and these you know these models test that it. I yeah. yeah yeah I wanted yeah. to test it. I wanted to you know put some thing information in there and work out if they worked. So for me, I, you know, like having never set out to be an academic and having never set out to be a, um, you know, do a PhD, I often say um, I come from very humble beginnings. My mum was a cleaner. My dad worked, um, you know, in a, in a local government, you know, as a labourer. Um, when I told them that I was studying and doing a degree, they were very happy with me, but it was a world that they didn't really understand. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, having these children and and working so hard and I just kind of thought, no, I'm not going to go and continue doing lots of articles and all of those sorts of things. I just really want to kind of settle, join my children a little bit more because I felt like I didn't have that Mm, time. mm, I was always tired and cranky mm. from, you know, being up at 2 o'clock and drinking too much coffee and all of that sort of stuff. So I just decided I was going to work and really test out these theories. And um, I was really fortunate because I feel like I kind of – did a lot more around supporting people in terms of their recovery and and their fitness for work mm. and really got to understand more about why potentially, you know, some of these factors and some of these models that I put together, you know, work or why they didn't work. And um, one of the clients that worked for, um, in a, for a long period of time, they did say to me, I was always that person that they say, oh, you've helped me out with this and this problem. Can you help me out with this problem? And I go, oh, yeah, I'll give that a go. No problem. Yeah, I'd like to give that a go. So I got asked to do like a peer support program. So it was really around helping people retain in the business. They were really having problems trying to recruit people or keep people within their jobs. Mm -hmm. And it was all around fitness. And a lot of the fitness came from either mental health challenges, work-life challenges, some of the things that I wrote about in these models, Mm. and then really getting to work with people day to day to work out what their trigger points were. And a lot of the trigger points were either their supervisor, the fact that they didn't feel valued, the fact that, you know, they weren't really matched to their job role or there wasn't career development. And so really got a lot of great insight from these (laughs) absolutely lovely people who really just needed somebody confidentially to help them but also kind of go to management and be that champion to help navigate whatever they needed to have either a reasonable adjustment or some changes to their job role because of their circumstances and so can we just like (laughs) reflect on like I just go fast forward to our current codes of practice 
and go everything you just talked about in that peer support program, like bang, here's the code of practice. I, I just find I just find it so wild that it's something that has been bubbling and sitting there and we've had people that have known about it and in your case studied it so in depth, yet we're only really just seeing it, I guess, really talked about now. I recently just did a bit of a post and I said how it's really nice that this conversation's day-to-day, you know, because, mm. like, having studied it for so long, it's always been there. Yeah. But it's also been, like, this white elephant in the in the, in yep. the room. And I guess for this person, when I talk to people and they ask me what I do, I kind of say, oh, I kind of that person that sits between health and safety and HR because that's kind yes. of where my qualifications yep. lie. And I'm the kind of person that kind of if something doesn't fit in one area, I kind of grab it and help. Mm, 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 and mm-hmm. I often feel like I have a good foot in both kinds of camps because um, that's kind of where it lies. And mm-hmm. really, um, like I said, you know, for, for me working uh, post the PhD is and and one of the problems that I had is when I spoke to people you know say 15 years ago when I was doing my research I talked to them about psychological health and safety or psychosocial harm or psychosocial factors and a lot of people would just look at me and go I don't even know what you're talking about What's what language that? what language is this yeah yeah so now it's common it's more common that people are aware of it yeah and yeah. even sometimes when people are aware of it some of the most interesting conversations I have about, you know, people's fitness for work or, um, you know, mental health challenges is people say to me, oh, you can't ask them that. You can't, you can't ask that question. And you go, I go, no, that's exactly the question that you're supposed to be asking mm. because it's relevant. And- uh, but I feel like there is still just that fear of, you know, look, the world we live in with cancel culture and all the rest. It's just like you say the wrong thing. You don't want to upset anyone. Like, you know, we, we have to eggshell around these people. But the reality is, is that hard conversations sometimes are the best conversations. And I think I've often heard you say about being authentic. If you're putting around a hard conversation, people pick up on that. Yeah. And the one thing that I've learned about having difficult conversations with people or finding out or being able to support them is the more that you can be direct and the more you can ask a question in an everyday way, the more people will come back and be honest with you. And that's that's what we really need. And, you know, um, when we talk about businesses and we talk about culture and we talk about leadership, we talk about, you know, having this safe place to have these conversations. Mm. I find being an external consultant helping businesses in this space that confidentiality and knowing that I'm that that independent third party that, that outs you sit outside of it you're not entrenched in it you're not listening to the like water cooler chat you know you think about COVID and they're like oh we miss the water cooler chat yeah but we also don't miss the water cooler chat because that's where things bubble and no pun intended um but they do it bubbles over and it's the whispers and it's the did you hears and those kind of things that as you said you know sitting impartial to that you're not caught up in it yeah and I think you know just to give give a context to that conversation it's uh you know some of the really big challenges I get where clients will ring me and say I've got this really really tricky situation that can you get involved and I'd say first thing I always say you knowing me yes of course because I never say no (laughs) it's always a learning opportunity um 
But sometimes I listen to the scenarios of just this ongoing history that's happened and think, how could it ever get to this point? Mm, mm. And, you know, we might be talking about, you know, leaders or team, you know, really not working well with somebody for a long period of time, holding grudges, you know, a series of potentially, you know, bullying, harassment, whatever yeah. you want to call it, and think, oh, my goodness, they're asking me after five years to get involved and help. You know, don't you think this is a little bit too long? But anyway, no, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, just turning up, being that authentic person and talking to this person and saying, well, we've got options. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to explain your options, I'm happy to help you navigate this and, and really working out, this whole win-win situation for the business and for the person to be able Mm. to help support and move forward. And there's certainly a lot of cases that I look at and think there's no way I'm ever going to get a great outcome here. But turning around and going, well, I did do that, and that took a lot of, you know, coaxing, getting people to change their opinions and their perceptions of why somebody's potentially um, behaved in a certain manner um, Mm -hmm. to really get people to sort of open their horizons and grow from it. And Mm. I think it's those situations, you know, when we're looking at psychosocial harm and um, psychological safety that really take businesses a long way forward to realise that, you know, you can't have these impressions, you can't jump to conclusions because you don't know what people are thinking and feeling. Hey, it's me dropping in to let you know about the Women in Safety membership. If you haven't yet become a member, please jump onto our website, click the link in the show notes, because we are the group for you to feel empowered. Do you want to elevate your career? We're the platform for you. Engage with like-minded professionals, participate in authentic conversations, and open the door to opportunities that will help you thrive in your health and safety journey. Come to us for your authentic connections and break free of ordinary networking. I'll see you soon. Now tune back in. And that's, I had a, um, I don't, I don't know what you want to call him, but he came into a a workplace one day and gave a little speech and it's a bit of a like get love in, I'll call it. Um, And his big thing was people are, not their actions. So what you're seeing on a day-to-day and how someone reacts, someone snaps at you, someone bites your head off or something, sends a snarky email back, you know, it's reflecting on, well, what's that person got going on? And, you know, I, I think about, you know, me this week and school drop off and, okay, what's the time I've got to do pick up? Like it's a whole different, my whole routine has changed this week And I'm exhausted. And I'm not saying that should excuse bad behavior, but sometimes there's things that go on behind the scenes. And this is why I always talk about um, if we can bring our whole selves to work with the lens of there are some days that I'm not going to be well put together and that's okay. But on the good days, we're going to have a conversation and, and being able to be brave enough to say, hey, look, I'm probably not functioning at my best today. Can you just give me... 10 minutes, an hour, can we circle back to this tomorrow? And I think that's where, you know, really forward-thinking organisations are is allowing that authenticity, as you said, to come through. Yeah, and, you know, we are a product of our environment. We're a product Mm. of our upbringing. 
you know, um, as much as I don't want to admit it, you know, there's some things that I absolutely, you know, absolutely love about my mum. Oh. And there's absolutely some things I hate about my mum. Yep. Do I behave sometimes like my mum? Yeah, because she brought me up, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, our gender, our parents, how they were brought up impacts oh. on us as individuals as well. And yep. it takes somebody to be able to say, do you realise when you get stressed or when you do this or when you do that, that that's your natural fight, flight, you know, whatever. Yep. That's your natural yep. response. I had to say, classic, I said to my dad just this week, he wanted to give my darling husband, who's just learnt to have a green thumb, um, he wanted to give him some advice and I said, dad, leave him. He's loving what he's doing. Your advice can come across a little bit harsh at times. I love you and I know you don't mean that, but I know that my husband would take that as, as a dig, as a, you're not doing it good enough. So maybe could you just give me some of that advice and I can kind of weave that into the conversation because this is how it comes across from you. And he's like me. And I'm like, you know this about yourself. Like just simmer down. Simmer down, Pop. <laughs> and this is this is absolutely gold. Yeah. Because we're talking about from a personal perspective, right? Not work related. Yeah. But this is what we've got to do. Yeah. This is what we've got to do as leaders. You know, yeah. this is what we've got to do as colleagues. He wasn't this hurt by that. He was just yeah. like, Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, and it's having those personable, genuine, yeah, heartfelt conversations. Yeah. Taking that step forward and saying, I care about my colleague, you know, I care about this person that I'm trying to help. Mm. I want this person to be happy. They're part of my team. To succeed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I find um, coming from a HR background, we talk about growing a person and we mm. talk about, you know, putting them on a series of courses and their course progression and their career development. Yeah. This is also part of this process as well because, you know, like I said, we're some of who we are. You know, mm -hmm. if we don't have great skills of dealing with uh, difficult conversations or difficult people, we're not going to excel. And I find that um, sometimes people skirt away from having those conversations about, you know, as a leader you need to get better at this or you get, mm. need to get, or, or people find that really, um, you know, they really get hurt. But, mm. you know, I'm always... It's feedback, you know. Feedback is good well, feedback as long um, as it's done in a constructive way. Yeah, Kirsten Ferguson, who wrote the Head and Heart um, book, she was talking about leadership and they said, How, is there any time that you could talk about that was um, that you had to use Head and Heart? And she's like, look, every day. She's like, a tough conversation, you know, if you've got to give feedback that's not maybe as nice as you'd like, there has to be Head and Heart in that because you're dealing with someone's emotion, how they perceive themselves, you know, you, you're questioning someone's values sometimes even to say, hey, look, this is how you behaved in this situation. Um, and as a leader, we've got to lean into that to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be hard. But if we lead with that head and heart in that, then it doesn't become this psychological piece. It becomes a growth trajectory instead. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, the world that we live in is so complex now. Yeah. And, um just, you know, just talking to, I find absolutely one thing I love about my role and, you know, like working in this field is just the amount of things that I learn from other people. 
Yeah. And, you know, like whether it's good, bad or ugly, it, you learn. Oh. And, you know, a lot of time I always say to people, hey, I'm non-judgmental. you know, I, mm-hmm. I love you for who you are regardless, you know what I mean? And, you know, we all have our flaws and we all have things that, you know, like we like or dislike. Yeah. That's who we are. You yeah. don't have to apologise for that. It, I could put it on the yeah. screen behind me, you know, yeah. like – I know. Everybody's going to like us. Not everybody's going to be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. But, you know, as a team, you know, when we're talking about working together collectively as a team, you know, it's working about how we fit in that team. It's a bit like a family, like you were saying. You know, how do we work in that team? And I think the more that we take time to, you know, when we fit and when people accept us, regardless, you know, this is where we're really going to start excelling in businesses. And, you know, mm. some of the teams that I've worked in, whether they've been health and safety teams or whether, you know, they've been HR teams or whatever, you know, the more that we can, you know, sort of muscle in and get together and help each other out and understand how we're going to achieve this goal, the better that we're going to have those outcomes. And, mm. you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, you, you work too hard and you help people too much but you know if 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 you know we're what really a, there a part of a problem team. to be called yeah. you help people too much I, love I know. yeah but I tell you I always cash in on those yeah. favors and yeah. um you know there's been times when you know I've helped people who you know I've been in some really bad circumstances and there'll be times when I'm helping a colleague or, you know, one of the people that I work with and I say, I just got the right person that I can cash in a favour on this one. <laughs> and, and so it's that little bit and getting people who've had similar experiences mm. to spend a little bit of time helping somebody and explaining their journey or helping them, you know, apply for Centrelink or, you know, some of those really experiences. But that's, that- dare I say, Sherilyn, that's exactly what Women in Safety in this podcast was designed to do to say that we all have had struggles in health and safety. There's not a day that there is not someone in their journey that has faced a challenge um, and you could almost wipe the safety element off it because it's more about just expressing that we have all had challenges and maybe yours looks a bit similar to mine and we can bond over that and we can grow and learn and go, well, how would you tackle it a bit differently? This is what these conversations were absolutely designed to do. So that completely resonates. And, you know, for me saying to somebody, I've helped somebody else out like this, I have a conversation with them and see if they want to have a chat with you. Mm. And, like, just people learning together and having some camaraderie, whether it be in one work environment or the same industry, is often, you know, some of the stuff that you do over and above that really helps people and helps either their recovery or, you know, them grow or develop or make decisions about what they they need to do going forward, whether it's work-related or non-work-related. Well, I can't, I I am literally Googling as we speak, but there was a, the World Health Organization in its definition um, of basically mental health here, this might be it. Um, the person that we uh, develop or thrive kind of. Or... But, it, but it talks about, no, it can work productively and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. And what I always talk about when I'm asked to speak on kind of what women in safety does and why we do it is that everyone has to find that community. You know, women in safety isn't the community for everyone, but where does that community lie for you? And it might be in you know, the like-mindedness of this particular niche of people. It might be in your community more broadly. It might be in your football team. 
It might be a new kid's soccer team. It might be your mum's group. It might be, you know, the trivia night on a Tuesday night. The ability to make a contribution in that community is so valuable when we think about that psychological piece. And that's where I see organisations being able to have, and um, shout out to the guys at Trademark, they have their, I think it's like a mutts off leash or they they have these different days that their people can go and contribute in their community to something that matters. And I think that's where I see organisations, again, thriving, that they recognise that contribution to community as a puzzle piece of how our people show up for work. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of what I try and do is is link people who've had similar experiences. And, you know, sometimes it's going to the gym together or yeah. sometimes it's going and joining Muay Thai or boxing or yeah. those sorts of things because, you know, as as people who are in an organisation working as parents, you know, we do get caught up in our children or their gym. Uh. And we lose we lose sometimes sight of our own health, our own well-being. Sometimes Guilty. we just Guilty. need somebody to help link us <laughs> yeah. to, to create that. And, you know, I feel really fortunate that I've, you know, helped a lot of people and that, you know, I can do that linking because sometimes that's all they need. And oh. sometimes it's just somebody helping them step in the gym for the first time. Yeah, to, to get you know, it might be somebody in a labouring job who's lost a lot of their fitness or put on weight or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's really just helping that person start. And sometimes it's a matter of five or six sessions, and then they're off. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. we just need to help people and 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 be present and listen to them and and just give them that opportunity to sort of move forward to be able to start that journey about either their mental health fixing their mental health mm. fixing you know working better with people in their team mm. um, being you know taking their stress out or you know alleviating their stress or their burnout in you know mm. all of those sorts of factors yeah I was listening to a good podcast before at the gym funnily enough about your morning routine and what does that morning routine look like? And I won't go into it, but it was really good. It was, yeah, just really setting yourself up for success as well, like having that self-accountability to it. But um, I am conscious of time. So I'm going to, I guess I want to ask the question. It's not on my list. I'm making it up on the fly. Something along the lines of how do you see the the studies that you've done and the work that you've done what do you see the greatest impact for organisations um, that they could take on this year to really start, um, I guess, amplifying this psychosocial, getting people better at work? Oh, there's lots big, of questions. Big. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's question, a loaded. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. What's up? What's a good takeaway for businesses to go into 2024 with? There you go. Um, one of the things that um, I like to do is is when I go and um, work for some of the companies that I've, you know, consult to is just presenting and just being genuine. I have lots of conversations with people I don't know, you know, mainly about little trivia things, but mm. about their posture, um, mm. how they're sitting, you know, like if I see somebody slumped in their chair for a long period of time, I'll just say to them, how long have you been sitting like that? For? Or how long have you been sitting for? And they'll go, oh, I've been here for three hours. And I go, I can tell. And they mm. go, how can you tell that? I say, because you've really been sitting there for a long period of time yeah. and your body's telling me you need to go and get a glass of water. 
Yeah. And they say, how do you know that? And I say, well, see how you've got your hip over here and your shoulder over there. If you sit like that for another three hours, you're really going to be. Yeah, really you'll be sore. in a sore place tomorrow. And they yeah. go, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I get to meet people that way in yeah, the work right. environment. Yeah. Sometimes as well, I, I'm, when I'm out on a factory floor and I notice that uh, it's, you know, got to wear your, your hearing aids or your, your sorry, hearing aids. Your hearing protection. But, you, you, know, um, you know, you have to have hearing protection. Um, I'd say to them, um, you, you, do you have problems, you know, listening? Or, or when you retire, what's some of the things you want to do when you retire? And they'll go, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I say, you really need good hearing for that, don't you? And they go, yeah. I said, oh, well, when my dad retired, he couldn't do any of that because he can hear because he didn't mm. wear his hearing protection. And they go, really? And I go, yeah. He had to wear these hearing devices and, you know, and we'd sit there and we'd have to listen to his TV and, you know, we'd have to shout. And so, like, you have these conversations about facts Mm. not saying where your PPE, where this, where but that. But I think also bringing that personal journey into it, you know, and sure, not everyone's got a father that, you know, when they retired had to have hearing aids. But I think it's about pulling that personal journey into it and going, what what's, what, what do you want to do with when you retire? That's making it personal. That's not the compliance. And I before we press record, we were talking about that care versus compliance. And that that shows me that care over compliance. Compliance is the outcome of caring about that person. I feel like that's like a mic drop moment because that is that that's exactly it. So it's almost flipping, flipping the yeah. conversation. But you know, having a conversation with people about day to day stuff and mm. having a genuine conversation, presenting with them. And you know, there's so many times when people will come to me and they because I come to them in a very uh, non confrontational yeah. way yeah. if they've got a question they'll say hey um can I'm, I'm a bit lost you might not be the person that I can talk to but can I ask you this question and I always say to everybody that's the environment you want to create because if you want to help people you want to know what's going on in their brain you yeah. want to know what they're thinking yeah and a lot of the times I'll have conversations with people and you know they it's this safe space they know mm-hmm. that they can have a conversation with me and I'm not going to sort of uh, breach their confidentiality or um, judge or, you know, they're, they're, they're just generally asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that ask for help, but they don't know how to ask for help or they're mm-hmm. not sure the way to do it in a, in a work environment. So well, that's, I, I, I think I've said it on a previous podcast or a previous webinar, but um one of the things I did was join the social club because the social club, it was, you know, it was friendly. It was, albeit asking for money, that wasn't the point of it. It was about that camaraderie and getting people together and it was the social club. But it allowed me to step over the fence of my pod and go, so what do you do? Hi, I'm Alana. I'm here for the social club. What is it you do? And, you know, and then you build that little bit of trust and rapport. And then they're like, oh, you know, you bought a ticket today. Like, oh, yeah, come on. we got to go and draw it. Like, oh, good luck. Like, you're in it. And then it just becomes this ongoing conversation. And they know I work in safety. So then it was this kind of, they had that trust and rapport to come to me and be like, what, what do I do with this? Whereas I know others in the team didn't even know what, team sat over the pod from us because I'd never asked the question and that's maybe that what you said for bringing into 2024 it's bringing in that social club the curiosity but doing it in a productive way you know yeah yeah about other people yeah you know asking questions you know 
um, being there to support them. And that's, I was, I was, that's that family environment coming into the work, you know, part of our team, you know. Like, yeah. And well, I, I was, I was, I was shocked when um, my husband started a new job. He came home and he said to me, you'll never believe what I did today. And I'm like, no, of course I won't believe what you did today. Um, and he had his one-on-one, so new leader, but fairly big team. Um, he got the team in and he didn't ask about work, like what do you do or, you know, who are you in the team? What's your family like? What What's home life look like for you, you know? And he'd be jotting it down and he, this one's got a dog and this dog looks like ours and that one's got kids that are our age or that age and they're off to school. And he has, like, nearly all of the execs above him have said, you have made such a difference in that team. And I'm sure it's because I was shocked because he doesn't care about me like that. That's what I tell him. But he went in with this level of care to go, who are you as people? Because one of my big values is having fun and I want you to have fun. So we will get the job done. We will get the work done. But that fun and that family element comes first. And I was I was just shocked. I was like, "Have you been listening to me?" Because I'm a bit proud. <laughs> At the time that I was doing um, some of my PhD, you know, psychological safety was such a um, looking at you know, how people behave under mm. pressure and, you know, looking at that psychological part of it was really, you know, quite quite prominent. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes people get caught up in it because it is quite complex. But I don't think it has to be complex. It's just taking that care factor and really understanding the dynamic of the team. And that was one of the findings from my PhD. You know, it's really important to look at your team and look at the strengths of your team. And you don't need psychological testing to do that. No. You just need time to understand who works well under pressure and who doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Who who could you probably put together to sort of help each other do this project or do like a risk assessment on something really tricky, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Understanding the strengths and weaknesses of your team and understanding what support that they need to do a job that might be mundane or might be complex or might be new, you know, Mm -hmm. so that you're really bringing the right skill set. But if you can't have basic conversations and like you said with your husband's example, take time to know who your team members they are. are as people yeah you do that yeah yeah because you know what what we put on our resume and what we present in a job you know job yeah. um interview and who we are and all those other strengths that we bring yeah um are so much more than, yeah. than just what we write on that piece of paper oh god yeah god yeah and we don't and always so- to that so I feel like there's a couple of key themes. I think authenticity has been woven through all of our conversations, the care, um, and that goes care of people and our teams and but also care for ourselves. Um, and I Taking think time, that, yeah, time, time and, to ask and learn and, about your colleagues. Well, I was going to say that the last one for me really is that curiosity and that curiosity captures that time to say I'm going to be curious today and, w- and what does curiosity look like in the workplace for me today? Is that the social club way or is that just watching today? Um, and I think that that maybe like speed dating, but not with the outcome of going out on a date, but just yeah. learning oh, more. Well, about that your could colleagues. be that could be a really great side effect. Sherilyn and Alana's matchmaking services available in 2024. Sherilyn, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And I'm sure it won't be our last conversation because, as I said, we will talk underwater. I think it's going to be one of our longer podcasts, but I think our audience will agree. There has been so many nuggets to 
just share and to break down. And I hope our listeners really have enjoyed the very unstructured conversation that we've had today. Um, so Sorry thank you for that. your time. No, and we're very authentic. <laughs> very authentic. And we will put the um, some of the links to your study in the show notes. So if anyone wants to read what you did 20 years ago and how what those models look like and things like that, they can grab that. But um, thanks to you and HSE Global for your time, your energy and your conversation today. Oh, great. Thanks, Lana. I really appreciate it. And we're doing a masterclass soon. So I'm really looking forward to sort of working with some of your, um, some of the other members and uh, really uh, continuing to listen to your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. What an episode. If you loved today's episode just as much as I did, we'd love to hear your feedback or even better, share it with your friends, your colleagues and other safety sisters or safety misters so they too feel empowered and inspired. We will catch you for another conversation next time and we hope in the meantime you start implementing some things to transform your career.